0: Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Monday, June 7th edition of the Basement Academy. This gymnasium of the soul where we try to get a good workout for faith, hope, and love as we try to go deeper in our relationship with Christ. And I pray with one another that the extension of these times would be deep in relationships as you would take uh, truths that we talk about and then live them out in your lives. Now, to that end, what a joy it has been these last two Sundays to be in worship together. We have brought the pews and the chairs all back in. We're back to our kind of normal seating arrangement, our pre-COVID arrangement, with a couple exceptions. We've got a couple seating pods along the walls that are socially distanced for those uh, that makes sense for. Uh, We joke about those being the box seats. (laughs) but just the joy of being gathered again. Uh, A number of folks uh, last Sunday, yesterday, uh, back in church for the first time in over a year, and just, it's a palpable experience to to, to see uh, one another again. Uh, to be in the, the same space at the same time, worshiping our Lord. So it, it makes sense that that scripture, do not neglect the meeting together uh, in Hebrews. I recognize their folks for it's still not time and, and I respect that and, and, and trust. Everybody knows what, what best to do with their lives, um, but it has been really delightful uh, to be back. Uh, the singing is um, greater and more robust. Uh, the, the reading and the prayers together, uh, what, a, what a joy. So, um, so whenever it's time, uh, for those who haven't come back, uh, we trust there will be a, a right time. There's a time and a season for everything, right, as we read in Ecclesiastes. Okay, Psalm 97, <clears throat> one of the day's five psalms. The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. All who worship images are put to shame. Those who boast in idols, worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and rejoices, and the villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of his faithful ones and delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is shed upon the righteous, and joy on the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. Amen. A psalm bidding us to true and faithful worship. And so... God who is enthroned, righteousness and justice, the foundation of that throne. So things rightly ordered. In God's presence, all things, all life is rightly ordered. Outside of his presence, there is disorder. So we talk a lot about living east of Eden. So we live in a disordered world. People's affections and loves are not properly ordered. We love idols. That is, we, we construct things... Back in the day, it would be statues. Uh, Our idols, the idols of our age are a little different, but still they're man-made. They're they're things of our own pursuit, our own uh, fashioning. And so this is a Psalm calling to rightly ordered worship. Worship Him, (laughs) all you other man-made realities, give all your attention uh, to God. For the Lord is the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Remember that that uh, praise chorus. Light is shed on the righteous, joy of the upright in heart. And so this, this notion of being in the presence of God, his light shining upon us, fire blazing around him, fire representing the, the Holy Spirit there, so. Psalm 97. May it be so, Lord. May your light shine upon us today. Okay, we began a study of the book of Ephesians last week. We didn't get very far. Uh, We lingered for several days in that opening um, section, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. I want to pick up now in verse 15 and read to the end of the chapter. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Okay, so that's verses 15 through 23. Again, a lot going on here. We'll tease this out today, uh, a little bit more tomorrow. If we need a third day, we'll uh, we'll do that. And so, based on this great salvation that God has planned and secured and sealed to the praise of his glory, for this reason, looking back on what he's just written, for the reason of... What God has done in saving us and for the reason of the response of the people. Uh, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, love of God, love of neighbor, they always go together. And so for this reason, because of what God has done, the way you've responded uh, in faith, uh, in in placing your faith in Jesus Christ and then expressing that faith and love for the saints, for this reason, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. And so we're talking now about a prayer that Paul offers for uh, the church. It's an interesting prayer to unpack or some thoughts about uh, this prayer to unpack. So it's prayer. Paul's prayer here for the church, the Ephesian church, is grounded in work that God has done, and then this seeing a response that they've had. There's nothing like seeing people respond to the Lord. I, I have this joy. I get a front row seat on the glory. Um, I, I, I see a lot of of things, <laughs> and it, it's such an honor to be in that place, to be in conversation with people who are wrestling through their life, um, expressing faith, hope, and love uh, in the face of challenges. There's a lot of mountaintops. There's quite a few valleys as well that I accompany people in. And I pray for a lot of folks. Uh, I I, I say that not to, to, to draw attention to myself. It's just the nature of the pastoral work that we have occasion, we pastors have occasion to know things that others don't get to know and to, to seriously commit that in prayer and to lift that before the Father. So I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And so Paul tells us what he's praying so I haven't stopped giving thanks. I, I've heard of this faith response. I, I see this love for the saints. I can't stop giving thanks for what God is doing in your life. And so there's that, that prayer that is undergirded by thanksgiving. And then a Trinitarian expression Paul makes here. I keep asking, so this is the content, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father. So now we have the Father and the Son. Okay, we've already Seen Paul talk about this relationship. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, a Trinitarian opening. Praise be to God the Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us the Spirit's blessings. Okay, so here we have a similar Trinitarian uh, expression. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom, that is, how to live well, be alert and attentive to truth and to life and to God and to neighbor. Wisdom and revelation, the revealing. Let, let the Spirit of God, it's saying, uh, Father in heaven, Father of Jesus Christ, pour forth your Spirit so that, our, so that we may understand how to live well. And to have this revelation, and it's not revelation in some ooga-booga kind of way. It's to have this greater understanding, to reveal how best to live. That, you, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The, the ultimate aim of the prayer, of Paul's prayer, it's a prayer of thanksgiving, God, help them to know you better. (laughs) But the only way that's going to happen is when the Spirit uh, opens eyes, opens hearts, opens lives. There is a revelation. There is an understanding. And so when we talk about Christian growth, about maturing, we're talking about growing in our capacity to understand our own lives in relationship with God, relationship with our world and our neighbor, and then to live well in this new relationship. So salvation, again, is never about just getting our little heavenly ticket and tucking it in our pocket. To be saved is to be transformed. It's It's not a transactional thing. It's a transformational thing. So that our lives become transformed, our affections, our desires, our attitudes, our actions, our words, uh, the commitments we make, the way we evaluate life, the priorities that we have. All of this coming under the influence of God and God's word and the truth and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And so it's a comprehensive life that we are after. And so Paul prays. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, verse 18, I pray also. And so he tells us more what his prayer is. And and so this passage is a wonderful and it's, it's a very important passage. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So he's praying for spiritual eyesight. (laughs) You have physical eyes, but you have physical eyes because you have spiritual eyes. There is this correspondence, as it were. And so I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order. Okay, so it's not just to have spiritual enlightenment. People talk a lot about that. Even the New Age movement all those years ago, people talk about being spiritually enlightened. To what end? And so spiritual enlightenment is not just feeling good about oneself or, or having peaceful, harmonious, uh, serene feelings as one goes about their day. And it's not some just sense of inner peace to have the eyes of one's heart enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Three things. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened or enlightened in order that you know the hope to which you've been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance And the power, incomparably great power that is for us or in us. It's possible to translate that as in us who believe. Hope and inheritance and power. And so Paul is praying again for this deepening of their experience. So you have begun, you've placed your faith in Jesus, you have a love for the saints. I give thanks, I can't stop giving thanks. But it's more than that. I pray that you're going to know him better, that God will give you the spirit so that you can know him better. And I pray also that there would be an enlightening. How did the psalm say it? Light is shed upon the righteous and joy on the upright in heart. And so this image or metaphor of enlightenment, light being shed upon his face, turning towards his light shining upon uh, his, his people, some of these Old Testament themes uh, from the book of Numbers. When our eyes are opened, when we see, I guess that's what the eyes of your heart will be enlightened is being able to see, that apart from Jesus Christ, our inner eyes are darkened. People think they see, And yes, I know that we have this capacity, even in a dark room, we can sometimes with our eyes open, we can kind of see a faint outline. Because if there's some light somewhere coming from a night light, coming from some other area, you know, maybe the moon through the window, you know, there's always a little bit of light, it seems, uh, that sneaks into the room. Even at night, we can see some outlines and we can bump our way uh, down the hallway to the restroom or something like that. This is the world bumping about in the dark, thinking it can see clearly, because that's all it knows, right? So, so how, how would one know what light is if all one knows is darkness? And so Paul's going to pick up on this theme later in the letter about the futility of darkened minds. Uh, that the Gentiles had formerly had apart from Christ. And so it's this idea uh, in in John chapter 3, Jesus talks about uh, men loving darkness rather than light. And so um, this Psalm 97, uh, the idolatry, it's a loving something of our own fashioning. And so, People who, who are apart from God, apart from Christ, will speak a good game of spirituality. Uh, the, 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 the phrase these days, hey, I'm spiritual but not religious, S B have spoken about this in the past. The spiritual but not religious, SBNR. The SBNRs are actually a category that sociologists, religion, religious demographers are, are studying and they're mostly among younger people who, who are done with the institutional church. I don't want all the formality of religion, but I'm spiritual, but not religious, you know. But that spirituality is a man-made spirituality. They're fashioning it on their own. It's through experience. It's through getting out in nature. It's through social activism, uh, possibly through philanthropy, but generally not as much. Younger folks tend not to give as much money as those who are older whose values have been shaped by the gospel. Um, and, so, and so this idea of, again, this letter is written to a primarily Gentile audience who doesn't have the background in the scriptures, okay? And so their background is in pagan idolatry, typically. Ephesus had the temple of Artemis, Okay. And so, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. You have been called to a hope. Hope not as a soft, wishful future. Boy, I hope things work out well. I hope my team wins. Hope, biblically speaking, is a confident assurance. There is a life to which we have been called. There, is a, there are certainties, spiritual certainties, that throne of God is fixed and firm. It is secure. Our psalms speak to that. <laughs> and so, uh, how, how did the psalm say it this morning? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And so, there is a hope of our calling. There is a future. There is a guaranteed future for us. And it is this steady transformation into the image and character of jesus christ that is what god is doing again we'll see that later in the letter so paul is anticipating some things here he understands this and so he's saying i'm praying that you're gonna come to know this hope to which you have been called if you're a christian you have been called with the same calling that all christians have to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, that you would go through a character transformation, that you would become like him, not in body, but in spirit and in character. One who is able to love enemies well, one who is able to endure suffering well because of a higher vision, one who is able to sacrifice and lay down their life well, Um, one who is able to deny themselves. okay? This is the hope because on the other side of this life is this glorious inheritance in the saints. And so that's the second thing, the hope to which you've been called uh, to become like Christ, this inheritance. We tend to think of an inheritance as something we get. Yes, we get heaven. We get all these spiritual blessings, but there's this language, the construction of the Greek language here is that his glory, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We are the inheritance that God is seeking. He receives us unto Himself. We are His inheritance. He, God, pouring out all of His joy and affection and delight on us. And so, uh, one's inheritance comes to one what has been left to you and so there's this mutual joy that is in the Christian life that is our future that we rejoice in receiving the pearl of great price we we find the pearl of great price in Jesus Christ we will see him face to face but then we receive the joy as he embraces us as he delights we are the ones whom he died for He had us in mind when he went to that cross. It wasn't just, well, I've got to go do the Father's will. I've got to go plow the North 40. I've got to get a lot of sweat of the brow. When Jesus went to the cross, Father, if there's any other way for this cup to pass, may it be. But not my will, thy will be done. And Jesus did that for the joy set before him. The writer of Hebrews says he endured the cross And so Jesus endured that suffering. He endured that pain and that shame and that humiliation, that agonizing father turning away. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did that for you and for me. And imagine what joy is gonna be in Jesus's face. We think of the joy of seeing him. We think of heaven as the glad reunion that we have of seeing our loved ones again, to see my mom and dad again. You know, we're, we're it's still in that very tender uh, time after my mother's death. So we've been thinking a lot about that. Do we ever think about it from the other side, the joy that God has of, 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 We are the ones for whom he died. (laughs) We are the ones for whom he laid down his life. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We are his inheritance. So the hope to which we've been called, the riches of his inheritance, and his incomparably great power for us or in us, available to us for those of us who believe, now he's going to go on and talk about that power, and we're going to we're going to dive into that tomorrow, because he's still in the prayer, the, the second half of this passage, which gets um, more theological, if I could say it that way. Um, but there is a power available to the believer. It is there is no comparison. There's nothing on earth that compares to it, and we can think, yeah, there's a lot of. Power. There's political power, there's economic power, Um, people have social power and influence, right? You know, when you have power and status, you can make things happen and you can shape people's lives. Um, You know, we have the power to split the atom, uh, the, the power of technology. There's much to be made of around power. And of course, that's the whole game these days in the social justice, right? In the social justice universe that the, the, the charge that white people, the allegation that white people have exercised power to oppress that the only reason white people uh, want to be in control is to oppress people of color. I hear that, I'm trying to understand that. Uh, I just went through some training on that. I haven't shared all that much with you, but through our presbytery, I dispute, I dissent from that narrative and i aff- i affirm that the power is used earthly power is used in harmful ways sometimes it is used in helpful ways sometimes also but i dissent that it's all about the powers that to try to oppress people the power that god is that, that paul is writing about that he is praying about here is that we would understand that the eyes of our hearts would be open to understand This power that is available to us, that is for us, that is in us, that we can tap into a spiritual power, a spirit-born power, a power um, that is connected to Jesus Christ. And and just to hint at it, that power, this incomparably great power that's available, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand. So the, not only the resurrection of Christ, but the ascension. What God did in raising Jesus Christ from the dead and seating him when he ascended up to the Father, the disciples watched him vanish up into the clouds, that power is available to you. That's what Paul is praying about here. That we would understand that power, the resurrection and exaltation power of God through Jesus Christ is available. It is for us. He exercised that power on our behalf. He makes that power available to us so that we can live towards that calling into that inheritance. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna close with just a question. A lot of us have a prayer list, right? Uh, The church has a prayer chain. We list every Sunday in our bulletin, we've got a number of folks we're praying for. Almost exclusively, when people make a prayer request to the church, when we get a request that comes to us via email or some other way, would you put this person on the prayer chain? Almost always, it is a prayer for healing. I celebrate that. We welcome that. We receive that. We pray. What we never get are prayer requests like this. And so my question is, what would happen if you started praying Paul's prayer? What if you prayed this prayer, (laughs) a prayer of thanksgiving grounded on what God has done. But if you would keep asking God, the Father of Jesus, to send the spirit of wisdom and revelation to your life and to those that you're praying for. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us revelation so that we may know you better. To pray for other people to know Jesus better, to know God better. Do we ever pray about that? On our prayer list, are we only praying for healing? We should pray for healing. But why don't we pray as Paul prays That the God would give the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and that 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 spirit would bring open open the eyes of my loved one's heart, my child, my grandchild, my co worker, my neighbor, um, whoever it is that you're praying for, to begin to pray for their spiritual life. That God would open the eyes of their heart, that they would know there is a hope a certainty of heaven, that they would know Jesus better, that they would understand this great joy and delight that that awaits us in the inheritance, our receiving the inheritance, God receiving us as the inheritance, and this power, this power that is for us who believe. If we prayed that for ourselves and to pray that for others, I wonder what would happen. (laughs) how we might begin to think differently, behave differently, believe differently, um, live differently. And I think that's why the Holy Spirit prompted Paul to write his prayer. Instead of saying, hey, I'm praying for you and then move on to whatever else he wants to talk about, he enumerates, he details and describes the content of his prayer. And I believe it's because God would have us Offer that prayer ourselves in the same way he gives us the Psalms that we would learn how to pray. He gives us some of these Pauline prayers, and we're going to see another one in chapter three that we might learn to pray as Paul prayed. And so I am going to ask you and challenge you to pray at least this day and perhaps tomorrow as well the prayer of Paul. Okay, let's close now. We'll pick up again tomorrow with the second half of this passage. And I invite you to pray with me now. And so, Lord, may it be. May it be that you, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, O glorious Father, give us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of revelation, the Spirit of truth and comfort and power, that we may know Jesus better, that we may know you better. And I pray also with Paul and pray with the church and pray with my brothers and sisters that you may open the eyes of our hearts, that they may be enlightened to know this hope and the riches of this inheritance and this incomparably great power that you have made available to us. Make it so, Lord, as we offer this prayer for ourselves and teach us how to pray this for others. And Lord, give us eyes to see your answers at work in the lives of all of these sweet people we know. And so, Lord, make it so as we make our prayer in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together also, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God of hope and power and the inheritance and the God of our Lord Jesus Christ bless you and keep you in his name this day and forevermore. Amen.